Welcome to Friends and Fables, an interview series on our podcast where we chat with friends new and old about TTRPG and everything in between. I'm your host, Tanner Azanero, and I'm excited to be joined today by a gal with a maxed out charisma score, a fellow <laughs> Pacific Northwesterner, and the yeah. creator of the biggest Dungeon Master screen I've ever seen in my life, Diana of the Rose. Yeah, Hello. a lot of people ask me about the GM screen and if it's compensating for something. The answer is yes. But yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to have you on. Um, yeah, I think that might have been the first uh, piece of content of yours that I ever saw, like a, like a while back. Um, and yeah, we're just really excited to have you on here. Um, uh, you haven't done it. You, you, you were telling me before you haven't done much in terms of interview in the more TTRPG realm uh, for like a podcast or anything before, right? Not for a podcast. I am doing this one and then an Instagram live uh, at some point in the near future, but it's all escalated super quickly as far as like my channel and awareness about, I guess, me is That's concerned. Awesome. It's not something I was expecting, but it's so much fun. And I love making room in my, my schedule to, to talk to people who want to talk to me because I don't know what else am I doing? Just nerd shit. So hey, it's all fun. <laughs> no That's awesome though. Congrats. Um, I guess first and foremost, um, why don't you just uh, let people know a little about yourself? Um, I tried to do as as good of research as I guess if you want to call it as I could for uh, my brief little <laughs> intro. Um, but why don't you just let us know a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got started playing D and D or TTRPG in general? Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, for, for people who don't know, I, I am a, I, I don't like to call myself a D&D TikToker because it's not mm -hmm. all of my channel does. I talk about D&D, I talk about gaming, um, I'm a PC gamer as well. And then I also just post whatever comes to mind that I think would be funny. Um, and so my content is a little bit mixed, but yeah, most people come to me for the D&D stuff, like you said. And as far as my history with that game goes, I'm relatively new, but it has been a, a you know, I, I haven't been you know, playing the game since 5th edition came out or anything like that. It wasn't really a big part of my childhood, but I started in high school. Uh, I have a, a little circle of online gaming friends who invited me to play it one day. It was just maybe three or four of us tops. And we were just planning on playing over Discord because my, my little online group is all spread to the wind, you know, global. We've got people in Scotland, Canada, uh, you know, California, also in Oregon. There's one other guy there. You know, they're, they're all over the place. So we were going to play remotely for a bit. And I was like, oh, um, I've never played D&D before. I uh, was not exposed to it. It wasn't really a thing when I grew up. Uh, and the guys were like, oh, don't worry about it. Just watch Critical Role and then watch a tutorial on how to fill out a character, sh character sheet and then just show up, you know? And so that's what I did. And I've been stuck in it ever since. It took me like zero time to go from learning the game to learning how to be a DM. And now I'm here. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask if you were if if you've had more experience on the DM side or on the player side. Oh, I definitely the DM side only because I had, okay, so none of my campaigns have gotten very far. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's something I should address is a lot of people think of me as like, you know, a, a DM for uh, primarily and kind of the, the amount of time I spend world building is pretty vast. I've been doing it since, you know, since high school is building my own little homebrew worlds, kind of dealing with, you know, uh, trying to make up content for this little playground for my, my characters to my, my players to play in. Uh, however, my campaigns tend to fall flat due to external circumstances. You know, the real big, bad, evil guy of D&D is adult schedules and things yes. like that. And so I've had very remarkably little time actually DMing for people. Um, 
So, but outside of that, I also have had remarkably little time being a player because those campaigns also fall through due to scheduling. So mm-hmm. nothing is invaluable. Um, everyone's got their issues with that. I think that's probably one of the more one of the more relatable bits of being a a D and D player, a dungeon master, is finding people to play consistently is so hard. Yep, hundred um, percent. But in general, not a whole lot of time on, on either sphere. But I definitely like being a DM a lot better, and I, I think that's my my role in life. That's awesome. Yeah, I I feel you on the schedule thing. Our show, um, we kind of started as uh, when when I first pitched it to my friends, I was like, season season one is gonna be like. 20 episodes and like then we're done and like i was like you see the end of the tunnel by the time that we're done just because i knew on our end you know the adult schedule thing and everything so i was like i'm gonna get ahead of that we're gonna do short campaigns so that we can actually like finish stuff and and you know be able to actually you know make a podcast and a story and everything in that regard and somehow we just lucked out and we've been going like at least monthly in terms of recording, like pretty, pretty strong for the past almost two years now, almost just, just nearly. Um, so we're very lucky. We're very thankful, but a hundred percent, the big bad evil guy is, is being an adult and having to go to like fucking work and shit. Uh, it gets worse. The older you get kids and then they're like, I have to take care of my kid and everyone else is like, why bother? Just come play D and D with us. It can fend for itself. It's fine. A hundred percent. They really should it is be, what it is. Yes, they really should be taking better care of themselves, those kids. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to, uh, 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 one thing that you touched on uh, was something that I also wanted to expand upon with you. Because um, also on in your videos and everything, you've expressed your affinity for world building and all that. Um, what does your process look like for uh, kind of just building the big sandbox of a, of a campaign or a world um, for players to uh kind of sink their feet into maybe from like the first moment of inspiration to kind of finally putting words on paper and fully realizing an idea. It's, that is a very big, there's a lot of answers to that one. Um, So as far as like actually building, you know, the worlds and stuff and filling it with all this, 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 these maps, these people, these towns, it gets very tedious. And I think a lot of people get stuck in that, the, the tedium of, Oh, I have this town and now I need to fill it with, you know, people who live there, what they do while they, you know, what do they do for work? Why are they motivated to live there? What problems does this town have? What's the town's history? Things like that. Um, I don't think everyone goes into as much depth in their world building as I do, but it gets pretty, pretty, pretty boring sometimes, not going to lie. I honestly use a lot of random generation for like the little tidbits like that. So when I first built the the map that I use for my current campaign, for every campaign that I've ever run, it's an entirely, you know, from scratch homebrew world. And I essentially took a kind of a random world generator. Uh, It was like you could cobble together continents by using these little tiles that had like brief outlines of, you know, what looked like landmasses. You could kind of like fit them together to make one big landmass. I took that, plopped it into incarnate, and then actually drew out the map from there. And that's the map I've been using since I was in high school. So the map parts, uh, you know, the, the little... Little sticky bits. Random generators go a long way for things like that. Um, and then when it comes to the actual campaign stories, I honestly don't really mess around too much with you know fleshing out entirely fresh campaigns. I'll usually do side quests uh, for the most part, but I find it a lot easier to just run with whatever Wizards of the Coast has published. Um, and 
the publications do have their problems. Um, and this was something that I, I was talking about with the, I mentioned earlier to you that I was talking to a, um, a batch, a student who's finishing her bachelor's degree over in, you know, Virginia somewhere. She wanted to interview me talking about specifically Dungeons and Dragons, but also social media and how it plays into it. And then also feminism in D&D and things like that. And I mentioned to her, yeah, uh, the existing campaign modules do not have a whole lot of, you know, three-dimensional characters, especially not when it comes to women and things like that. Mm -hmm. So what I'll do is I'll take those published campaigns and usually just flesh them out a little bit better, give the characters uh, more personality, actual traits, better stat blocks, you know, uh, physical descriptions where there aren't any sometimes. And I feel like Reddit helps a lot for that too. The Curse of Strahd subreddit is super popular and it's got a lot of content there when it comes to beefing up Curse of Strahd because it's a, you know, one of the most popular modules of all time, um, even before fifth edition, it was incredibly popular. And then it got adapted into fifth edition and people looked at it and they were like, that's weird. This is, uh, you know, the, one of the main characters of the campaign has like no personality and she doesn't have any real stats. She's useless, but we're just supposed to have like an escort quest basically is what it was. Mm -hmm. And so people started fleshing her out. This would be Irina Koliana, I believe is her actual name in the campaign. I usually change the names for my, whenever I play it, just so it seems a little unique. And that way my players can't cheat or accidentally find like a meme or something that gives away the entire plot yep. of the story. Yep. Um, so I believe it's Irina, but you know, and, and Reddit came up with a, a way better personality for her. They came up with extra locations and extra main, like major quests, extra motivations for Strahd. Um, and so I usually take that and plop it into my campaign as well and just kind of take bits and pieces from, you know, the internet and cobble it all together and then drop it in my homebrew world, call it good. So that was a very long-winded answer to that question. No, it's a big, <laughs> it's a big question for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. What do you do to make your world well? Well, um, <laughs> no, no, that's, here. that makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm not familiar at all with any module stuff. I don't know anything. I, I was the asshole who started um, playing D and D and like from the second I started, I was like, I'm homebrewing everything. Everything's homebrew. Oh, I'm not looking at, I'm not looking at anything except for like mechanics, obviously, and like monster stat blocks. But usually I'll be like, all right, I'm going to take this. I'm going to give it yeah. just like you said, I'm going to give it four more things and a, and a personality and change the name. And, and here it is. Uh, in in world now um so i I'm, admire that so much though when people can actually like start from scratch and build a full homebrew campaign especially when they can go from full-on like levels one to 20 because there's so few things in the game that are published that can really take you there and there's you know monsters that you might want to see and that your players they, they just don't exist in the published modules so no. you know it's it's nice to have that sort of personality injected into your your campaigns it's it is the only way i've ever known like how to do it like if someone if, if someone it would be real rough if someone wanted to like pay me to run strad for them i'd be like it's not gonna be curse of strad by the time i'm fucking done with it but sure that's i got fun, you though. um that's nice <laughs> yes uh but yeah i it's uh, you're 100 percent right in in also what you touched on where um a lot, a lot of those pieces and, and particularly in my own experience too, a lot of pieces actually from wizards of the coast just need way more personality pumped into them. And a lot of the oh, most yeah. helpful things that I found are either from third party, um, publishers or just people on the internet and forums and basically anybody, but wizards of the coast I in know, terms of yeah. the very best, um, 
and my favorite stuff. I'm a big fan of Cobalt Press. Like our our campaigns and our show is just filled to the brim with Cobalt Press stuff. Um, I can't say enough good things about that company. We're not sponsored, by the way. Um, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. Cobalt Press. If you want to, hey, <laughs> you want to reach out. My pockets are open uh, for business. Um, but uh, I I love that idea of. Um, just, I don't know. Well, I, 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 I've talked about this a lot as of late too, especially because of the whole OGL fiasco that like, just, I don't want to say ended, but for God. certainly simmered down, um, <laughs> yeah. recently of, of just the thing that makes the game really come to life is the community aspect of it. And oh, absolutely. Even just bouncing ideas like off of, with yourself just off of stuff that you read on the internet is just like, I don't know. Nothing, nothing is the, the saying or whatever about how nothing in this world, you know, is an original idea or anything. hundred percent true. Very true. Um, but it's still so cool to just take little bits and pieces from all these, all these different things and really kind of help realize that, that world, um, in your, is, is there anything in like this world that you've been working on? Um, is it your only one or is it, or, or do you have like a couple different sandboxes that you've started working on or have worked on? Um, just the one world. It's got like seven or eight major countries, like four major continents. So there's a lot of room to work with and it's definitely not all fleshed out, but it's all, I consider it canon, uh, to my own universe, you know? So whenever I have a campaign start up in it, if the players, you know, decide if they do something that has major ramifications for the world and every other subsequent campaign, or if they set foot in the starting dungeon and die at level two, you know, the next party might come along and find their corpses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just the one world. And I kind of like that, that aspect of it personally. And also I don't think I could have the patience to build <laughs> necessarily, you know, multiple not like large scale worlds, but there's enough room for me to kind of play around in with what I have. That's awesome. I have uh, that, that I, I, I envy that because I, because we, for our show, our show is like fully taken over any free time that I have to work on our old, like home campaigns and everything. (laughs) Um, uh, but for so for our show, I'm working on for the most part, usually really small scale. Um, so I really envy that ability. Like the fact that you said multiple countries, like more than one, the idea of one country, um, I worked on, I worked on one country for our second campaign and that was so much work. Uh, right. It's crazy. The idea that you have multiple is so, is so rad. Um, took a while, took a while. Uh, and they're definitely not all fleshed out. I just have general ideas like, you know, major defining features, you know, what major races ran it, things like that. I also hand waved a lot of the history of these countries by just saying, oh, there was a cataclysmic event, the standard, yes. something really bad happened in the world a long time ago. And then that, you know, erased history. So now all these ruins are everywhere, but who cares why, you know, just kind of, just forget about it. Don't ask too many questions. 100%. You're in the world now. Who cares? <laughs> you know? Very, very fantasy, very fantasy focused, oh, yeah. uh, which is that like mostly what you focus on in terms of creativity in that regard is kind of fantasy settings or have you explored anything beyond that much? I go really hard with fantasy. Um, the most, like, I, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of more modern settings. So, like, the Eberron setting, uh, not super great. Steampunk type, you know, things like that. Um, having guns in my world is something I never intend to do. And 
I, I don't know why. I, I guess it's just an attachment to that genre. Um, the first video games I ever played were fantasy. Uh, you know, Skyrim being, I think, the first thing I ever, you know, fully sat down and, and played a full full game of. Um, so I'm pretty attached to that. And it's just nice to not have, like, modern, more modern type things. Um, I, I guess outside of, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, outside of, like, you know, fantasy and steampunk and, like, modern world type settings, I I'm sure there's other options that I haven't considered, but I just like the fantasy vibe. Is that I I, I kind of launching into another question that I I had? Um, do you think also because I know um, that you at, at the very least you're a zoologist by study, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I did my I did my research. You um, did, yeah. I did, I did my research. I watched I watched a couple videos here. So you talked about I, I do also mention the zoology thing is like the very first pinned video on my profile, so you didn't have to dig super hard. For no, that, no, that one was super easy. I just want the credit for doing research. Um, right. I'm a great host. You got it. I uh, uh, do. Do you think that uh, that experience in your life also kind of plays a part into kind of maybe the aversion to more modern settings? Um, I, I don't know if maybe I, I do have like a little bit of an affinity for the natural world. So the idea of campaigns that are set in cities and things like that, I, I'm not a huge fan of because I like the the interactivity and the the question of, oh, there's wilderness out there. Like, what could there be in there? Um, even when it comes to, to watching other campaigns, I'm not a big fan of campaigns that are in modern settings. So like I and I tell people this all the time, um, for those who are familiar with Critical Role, I have yet to watch the third season, the third campaign, specifically because it spends so much time in a city. And I'm mm -hmm. just have such, like I said, an affinity for nature that I enjoy the wilderness as an as a concept and then as a stage, I guess I should say. Yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense. I also I know that you also um, in that same video where I did really good research, you also talked about how Druid is your favorite class. Um, yeah. <laughs> play. I don't know if that's old. I, I don't know how if that's outdated or if or if you still love playing druids. Um, oh my gosh, so much! I know it's not like the the best character objectively. Like they're not. I don't know. I, I also didn't. It, it was just the first character that I ever played. You know, and mm -hmm. I always play the naturey sort of characters when it comes to video games and role playing and even board games. If there's a naturey option, or even if I can pick the color green as my little character piece on a board game, I will do that. So it's, it's my default and I love mm -hmm. druids so much. <laughs> yeah. Druids are, druids are, uh, they're always a class where I'm like, I, if we're playing high level, I'm like, play it, play a druid, play a druid at high level. The arch druid um, stuff is so yes, cool. <laughs> yes, we literally, in, in our, in our current campaign that we're going through, one of my players is, uh, he's literally the arch druid in our story and everything. Um, Ooh. and it's the things that he does, uh, he, he loves summoning entire hordes of animals to mess with me, um, <laughs> all at once and it works and man, druids are, I haven't gotten to play one myself yet, but they are one of the coolest classes, hundred percent. Do you have a favorite so far for classes? Yeah. I, funny enough, I've been talking about this recently, um, because my our our podcast crew is going to go on like we're going to do a little getaway together and we're going to all host Aww. one each like run a one shot um for a whole weekend and not record Man. it and not worry about microphones or anything we're just going to play D&D &D. and gotcha. i started like i'm like great i get to make like four characters for this weekend and in what in in our campaign that's dm'd by nathan augustine one of my co-hosts on our show um i play a cleric okay. and i 
I think clerics are a hundred percent my favorite for sure. Yeah. Um, I guessed it on another podcast where they had, I was, I was playing in their story for a couple episodes on another podcast. I was like, okay, I just can't play cleric. Cause I've already done that on a show before. And then <laughs> I found a cleric class that I couldn't say no to. So there I was as a cleric again. And oh. I started, <laughs> I started building, I started building characters for this getaway weekend or this weekend getaway. And I, the first thing I did was I built a paladin. So I, I don't know what it is about me. Can't get away with it. I don't know yeah. what it is. I'm not a man of faith, and I think that's <laughs> what it is. Is I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe I do believe in something in a fantasy in a fantasy realm. Right, and, you're just going uh, to play priest simulator with D20. <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. And but they're never like they're never like. They're so out there clerics too for whatever the world is. Like I think one of our worlds that we're going to do for the getaway weekend is inside of a fridge. And I had the idea to play, uh, my paladin idea was an ice little ice cube paladin. And basically <laughs> the story, as far as I know, cause we haven't played it yet, but the premise, as far as I know is we're going to be traveling like from the cold part of the fridge to the warm part of the fridge. And I, uh -huh, if, if I decide to play that character, I think I'm going to die by the end of it, which is awesome. I, I love knowing that I'm going to go on this big <laughs> journey and end up just a puddle of water at the end of it. And you got to make it heroic at least, you know, like a true paladin. hundred percent. hundred percent. I'm all about the big story moments and, and going for broke on that stuff, especially cause I'm for the most part, kind of the forever DM, but that's my, that's my choice. Um, I'll okay. never complain about that. Um, yeah, for me, it's, it's, I guess anything that believes in a higher power, that is always what I do in D and D when I do get to play. Interesting pattern. That's so I, wild. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, at I, least some, someone has to play the healer, you know, I, I know that not all healers are clerics, but mm -hmm. it's good to have someone like voluntarily do that as opposed to everyone glancing around the room wondering yep. who's yep. going to do it. Yep. Or then you end up like with our main campaign with a party of people who like have like a healing spell and that's it. <laughs> they, they don't have like Ooh. a solid healer. Um, but it's fun <laughs> for me as the dungeon master to scare them in that regard since they'd have a hard time. Oh, I bet. Healing <laughs> um, one thing, one question that I did want to ask and I'm, God, I'm praying that it isn't a reference to something like painfully obvious that will reveal how uneducated I am. Uh, what is right. what is the meaning behind your name, Diana of the Rose? Oh, you're actually the first person to ask me that. Uh, I was okay. So I've been using the Diana of the Rose handle for since I can remember when I first downloaded Instagram in like middle school. I was like, oh, uh, Diana of the Rose. Why why not? I grew up in the Rose City uh, up in Portland, so that could have had an influence. Hmm. Um, I had roses growing in my front yard when I was a kid. Some psychologists would probably tell me that that's an influence. Honestly, though, there's no conscious, like real decision there. No, you know, hidden, hidden, uh, memories that have to do with roses. I do really like the smell of roses, but I'm pretty sure that it's reverse causation where I decided I liked the smell of roses because it was in my username for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, uh, I don't know. I just like the idea of roses, I guess. I, I want to say it's my favorite flower, but uh, it's it's like tied with like three others. So even that's not true. It's really just something I chose and that I stuck with because it's easy to find pretty much everywhere. You know, I've never had a problem getting the Diet of the Rose handle. Um, and I've, honestly, I forgot that it could even be construed, you know, thought of as having meaning because mm -hmm. it just is so normal to me. 
That's awesome. I I literally I was like I wrote that question down. And I was like I need to make sure I'm not being an idiot. So I googled it no, yeah. before this interview, <laughs> and there was nothing on the internet except for literally like your page and then a couple of random like links to Diana's in history that had like nothing to do with roses at all. Oh, of I was course, like, I'll okay, have to go out. I'll have to make my own Wikipedia page after this so someone has something to look <laughs> yes. at. I'll make the future research a little easier. Anybody listening to this who's good at Wikipedia, get Diana a Wikipedia page. Please immediately get on it. Yeah. If you do, my height is five foot seven. Um, I'm <laughs> not going to give you my shoe size. You can go to Feet Finder for that. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't look for me. I don't have one. I was about to Someone's say. Don't take that seriously. I was about to Please say. Don't. <laughs> I was about to say. Well, this is. I. This is. This is quite the thing for me to reveal to a total stranger who I've talked to for the first time now. Um, <laughs> that, you, that, actually, you've done, that you still feet fix? No. Um, <laughs> I'll start selling them when people start begging me for them and i'll make oh, them begging. Really okay um <laughs> i i've always had i've always had this want it's it's how i know that i've made it as i worked in the music industry for 10 years before this so i've always kind of been Ooh. like in the entertainment field and wanting to be like a you know personality in some regard and i've always said as a half joke to my friends but not really i've always said that i will know that i've made it when i find out that somebody put me on wiki feet and it's been my <laughs> lifelong goal uh, I, and, and i'm and i'm betraying myself by talking about it on the show now because i've always said to my friends it needs to happen naturally it needs to happen not because oh, i've asked for it it needs to happen just because someone did it and that's how i know it's going to happen <laughs> and i also know it's it, 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 it i also know because someone will have to work for it because i i i never purposefully show my feet on the internet so someone's gonna have to work for it and make it happen and that's how i know it's gonna happen now i'm gonna have to do some real this, digging i have to cut this whole oh, segment man. now just because then it makes <laughs> me asking for it just um, to make that dream come true i love how that's the bar uh, that's the, no that Forget for me IMDb. though that's the bar that's what i want i want that recognition <laughs> by strangers on the internet who looked at me and were like i bet that man has nice feet what the I bet fuck that man does has this guy's feet, feet like? <laughs> i can't Google, believe show we... me this man's left toe <laughs> I can't believe we got there on this interview. That's great. Um, let me get back. Where are my questions? What am I doing? I'm ruining our show. Um, <laughs> I'm here for it. Uh, you are uh, speaking of the Rose City. Um, mm -hmm. Being that you're from Portland, um, I'm not sure if I shared this before. I'm from Spokane. Um, you said you're from Washington, Washington, but you didn't say what part. Um, I am from I am from Spokane. Uh, the, unfortunately, the boring side of Washington, but I am from Washington. Um, <laughs> our first campaign is uh i wanted to do something that was very um kind of unique to us uh, starting a show that something that like literally nobody else could do um and our first our first campaign is actually set in spokane and it's kind of a real world meets magic type situation so i always think it's fun to ask our guests and especially you also being from the pacific northwest which is a huge part obviously of our story and everything if you were to like bring portland to life in a in a magical sense mm. what would like where does your mind go in terms of that world building just oh man that's difficult okay so when i grew up in portland i grew up specifically right next to a like i my house 
when I was in elementary school was on a trailhead. Like, and this was in the middle of the city. And I got the sense that when I, at least in the part of Portland that I was in, it's a very big city. There's a lot of density there. There's a lot of dense housing, especially nowadays. There's a lot of development happening at all times, but there's still these little gems of just natural area that people are free to wander through, you know, right in their neighborhoods. And that part was super cool. So I think it'd be really cool to have these little like microbiomes, right? Where, you know, you head into a certain specific part of the city and there's this little like untouched bit of forest and there's something that lives there and only there and nowhere else. And it's never been, you know, desecrated or anything like that. Just kind of like that untouched natural, like an oasis in the middle of the otherwise boring concrete jungle. Um, wet concrete is usually how I describe Portland. I'm not a big fan of the city nowadays mm-hmm. <laughs> in case that didn't come across uh, already. But I, I think it's it's nice to have that mix of nature and city uh, to very contrasting you know, settings to very contrasting ideas just right next to each other within Mm -hmm. the same block. Uh, I always thought that was a super cool aspect of the city. And seeing that in a fantasy setting where you could have fantastical creatures just kind of hiding out in those little, those little niche zones would be pretty sick. That's so awesome. I do. I love the idea. Yeah. Of being like in society and then like taking, it feels very Feywild to like take a wrong turn and then all of a sudden you are lost in foliage and there's stuff all (laughs) around you and you don't know what it is. That's so great. That's so awesome. You, I think before, I think before we started recording, you were kind of talking about your, um, kind of just how things have been kind of picking up for you and your, and your page and everything as of late, which is awesome. Congratulations. Um, do you have any kind of goals or impacts that you are kind of, specifically focusing on or wanting to achieve with your content, not just necessarily in the D and D community, but just in general. Oh, that's a very good question. I do get that a lot. Uh, I have hit hundred K very recently on the channel. And since then, I've been getting a lot of questions of, you know, Diana, are you going to, if you could do this full time, like, would you, uh, have you taken any sponsorship deals? Like what, what's your deal? Where are you going with this? And honestly, I have no idea. I am just cruising along. I'm vibing. I only started creating content because it was more like a hobby to me. And to this day, it's, it's, I still prioritize it at the same level as I would any of my other hobbies. If I ever don't have time to do a post for that day, I just won't do it. Won't stress about it. I've had a lot of sponsorship offers, uh, come into my DMS and nothing really caught my eye and it would, feel weird to promote something on the channel that I didn't fully 100% believe in. And even then, if I did fully 100% believe in it, I probably wouldn't take money for it. Um, So that's why you'll not really see, at least up until this point, and I'm sure I'm going to jinx myself if someone looks at this two years in the future and all of a sudden I've got like, you know, a YouTube channel, a TV show, a hit album, uh, you know, something Mm -hmm. like that, some nonsense. Um, This will probably bite me in the ass. But for right now, I, I just kind of post the content that I like to see. And I kind of just cruise along like that. Um, no real goal, no real agenda. Uh, I, I try and keep it relatively balanced when it comes to the type of content I put out, when it comes to you know, D&D versus gaming versus whatever else I like to throw out there that I think is funny and is a good thought. Um, and so far, my audience has been very kind to me and letting me do that without you know completely tanking my followers as soon as I don't post something related to D&D. Um, so the platform has been very forgiving on that front. But no, I no no real no real goals there. I'm just cruising along and having a good time with my audience and just kind of bringing them along with me. That's great. I mean, I'm sure also TikTok is a very rewarding place for authenticity. And oh, I, yes. there's a reason I mentioned at the top where you have a maxed out charisma score because it, it just comes across <laughs> that you're you know just kind of vibing and 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 doing your thing. Thanks. Um, 
which is great to see. Um, I, I hope that it does, uh, it, it, you know, even if it, if it just means that you're, you know, continuing to just kind of do the things that you want. Um, at the very least, I, I hope it continues to allow you to do the things that you want on, you know, more, more and more and on bigger scales and everything. Um, me too. It's a lot of fun, honestly. And I, I watch my own TikToks all the time and I'm like, man, this is great, which sounds really narcissistic, <laughs> but I, I like my own stuff. So being able to do that and continue doing that would be we a pleasure. listen back to our show. So okay. So it's much. not just me. No, oh, thank so God. Much. Okay. So much. <laughs> but for, I will say at least for myself, it is, it, it, it's, it, it's different. Like when I did music, I didn't go back and like, listen to my music ever like i wasn't that guy because it was just me and it is different being like part of the reason that we do this podcast is we don't i don't care if nobody listens i don't care if if by the end of you know our first five years doing this we've had like maybe a couple handful of people listen and we've already had like people who were really into it and we're so thankful for them but if by the end of it, you know, nobody listened, that's okay because we have gotten to make this quality story together as friends that I will listen back to this 50 years from now on my deathbed. And I don't know why I'm giving myself a time clock of 50 years in my life, but that's so yeah, short. Yeah, that's I'm die <laughs> so early. But <laughs> I, I'm going to be listening time. to this on my deathbed. And it just feels really nice to kind of re experience that fun and those moments like telling a story together with with friends so we we listen back to ourselves constantly it's not just me it's everybody in the cast i'm throwing <laughs> all of us under the bus i know we all listen back to it all the time I mean, so that's, I totally good. You. that's what it's about that's the motivation you know if, if that's your goal is to just kind of put it out there you know at absolute worst it's a time capsule like you said but it stays authentic that way and i think that's what people really crave is that authenticity especially you know that's why we're so critical of people you know celebrities when they sell out and things like that is, is we just want to connect with someone and that connection needs to feel real. And that's, mm. that's what it's about. Yeah. And, and to, uh, I, I, a lot of times when I talk to people just kind of about like putting things out there for specifically the D and D community, it does tie back a lot to, uh, working in, in music for me. Um, and part of the reason that I fell out of it was just because, especially living in Nashville and being a part of, of that community and everything. Um, it, it just, the rat race is like an actual thing. Oh, yeah. Like you just, I don't know. It's, it's, it, I feel like people don't know in terms of, you know, getting into the entertainment industry, at least for, you know, the, the circles that I found myself in and around it, the rat race was real. I, I got into it and I got overwhelmed by how just like punishing it was for, you know, anybody who was trying to make it, it's really hard. It's a really punishing thing. And it really takes a certain person to be able to kind of persevere through a community who is really trying to be a community but forward themselves as an individual at the same time, which I don't think is some people for sure have ill intentions within that. And I've met people who a hundred percent have ill intentions within that. And that was what rubbed me wrong oh. is I stopped going to shows. I stopped engaging in the community because it was not welcoming at all because of those few people. And just because overall everyone is trying to forward the individual and then hopping over 
to D and D we put out our like first episode and kind of just wandered into a little collection of other D and D podcasts. We're like, Hey, welcome in. We're all best friends now. Um, <laughs> and it's just been crazy. It's, it's been crazy to, to launch the show and just see how violently different the, the D and D TTRPG community is from uh, the the industry that I was in before this. And it's all still entertainment and everything when you boil it down to, you know, podcasts and streaming and all that. It's it's just crazy to me how just genuine the community is and how right. an actual community it is. And I and especially after, you know, the whole OGL stuff. Like I will I will never doubt this community of people ever till the day I die. It, it, it is just crazy how the TTRPG online community is so just, you know, there for the experience and there for everybody, you know, yeah, regardless and, of who they are. And whatever they portray on camera tends to be who they are in real life too. I, uh, Devin from Total Party Chill, he's a content creator who also does D&D stuff in a way more professional sense than I ever will. Um, he was like one of the first guys to actually reach out to me for a sponsorship, um, which I had to say no at the time. Might go back to it at some point in the future. But he was saying how he had met so many different D&D content creators and they're always exactly who you expect them to be. You know, there's no surprises. They're not assholes in real life. And it's just, it's so nice. It's, it's good to have that sense of community and that sense of oneness that definitely came out when the OGL crisis happened. Yes. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. It it brought out the best in the community for sure. Um, yeah. it, at the very least, um, as much of a fiasco as it was, there were a couple more things, kind of in terms of the actual like nitty gritty of you know playing D anD D and maybe talking to people who haven't gotten to either play much at all or have haven't gotten to experience much in turn like just basically being a new player at the table or a new dm at the table um was there anything in that regard that you kind of wanted to touch on in terms of maybe your experience as getting into it or just advice that you would just put out into the world um for yeah. anybody who's uh, coming to a ttrpg table for the first time Yes. Um, and I get this question a lot. I was going to answer it on my channel right before the OGL thing happened. And then I was like, mm, this doesn't seem like a good time to talk about how to get started in D&D. &D. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, but no, what I usually tell people is you really just kind of have to go fully into it. The last thing you should do is read the player's handbook cover to cover because it's not really going to make sense. And you're not going to use most of the information in it until it's relevant at while you're seated at the table. So it, it doesn't make sense to do that kind of homework necessarily. But I usually tell anyone who's got even the slightest passing interest in D&D &D to watch someone else play because mm -hmm. it's a lot less intimidating than it looks when you're actually in there. Um, and I, usually this boils down to be telling people to watch Critical Role, uh, specifically Campaign 2 is fully fleshed out, you know, start to finish and shows off a lot of the different um, classes without having been you know a pathfinder convert so it makes a little bit more sense for getting people acquainted with the rules mm -hmm. and they also play by the book like extremely by the book and so it's a very easy way to kind of passively start picking up on what the rules are and how things like combat work which is the most technical part of the game and definitely the most intimidating but you know so i usually tell people step one is watching someone else play can be critical role can be dimension 20 can be your friends at a game shop you can even just wander into some friendly game shops and sit in the corner and just be like hey i just watch you guys i'm kind of curious about the game some people will say no um i imagine they might be shy about it other people will be like yeah absolutely you can watch we we love this stuff i want you to see how much we love it too uh so that'd be step one step two is then just 
doing what I did and watching a tutorial on how to fill out a character sheet. You know, uh, there's websites, people who have compiled all the different stats for all the different races and classes and things like that. I myself made a, a PowerPoint of all every single class, subclass and race option in the game uh, just to give to my friends. It's not available publicly yet. I might make it available at some point if people ask enough. But, you know, you don't have to know all the nitty gritty details of how those characters work. Even you just have to watch a tutorial of how to where to put all the numbers and then just hop in and start playing. A lot of D&D is, hey, DM, can I do this? And they're like, yes or no. And then they tell you exactly what to do. You know, there's so much of it that is in the DM's hands that if you have a good enough DM, you can really just jump in and start playing and everyone else will help you along, provided that they're not assholes. If they, you've got a nice group, really, it, it is easy to get started. And it's it's just a lot of collaborative back and forth. And that, come, you know, part of that is the collaboration when it comes to learning the game as well. Uh, and then after that, of course, you can read the player's handbook all you want. Uh, you, you can even start with the the free basic rules online um, on the Wizards of the Coast website. I mentioned that in one of my videos. It's completely free. It's got all of the rule, uh, all of those like basic rules that you need to really get into playing the game. And so you don't have to spend fifty dollars on the player's handbook if you don't want to. So it's a very accessible game too. Um, but essentially, that was bypass. That was what I did, and that's what I recommend to people all the time. That's awesome. Yeah, it's 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 very intimidating until you do it. Uh, and uh, my first time playing, I played one character uh, uh, for those of, uh, for people listening who listen to us. Zach ran. Zach was running a campaign, and I guessed it as a player who was very like pre-written. Like these things were going to happen from my character mm-hmm. as just kind of forwarding the plot and everything. So I kind of don't consider that the first time I played. The first time I played I, that I like officially consider is when I DM'd for the first time. And it was horrifying Ooh. for like five minutes. And then after that, it was fine. To be fair, I worked on it for like 30 hours, maybe within a week before oh, leading wild. up to it. Um, yeah. But it, it does just kind of take just kind of jumping in. And also, uh, you're totally right, having that kind of support system at the table around you, which I truly is probably the hardest part of d d is yeah. finding those people around you who you trust. We would not be able to do our show or tell the stories that we tell. And a lot of our, a lot of our main campaign, our, our first campaign, and our second campaign are part of the same story. And they're being that they're set in the real world. The, the kind of, Topics can get a, a little rough um, in terms of, of of weight and heaviness of things that that get brought up in our characters' backstories and things like that, and we would not be able to tell those stories effectively or in a healthy way if we didn't have the rapport that we had at the table. Um, yeah. And that boils down even to just I want to sit down with people and roll attack rolls against a bunch of elves. It boils down to the same, <laughs> you know, level of trust to tell that story, even in a minor way with the people around you. So that's, that's certainly the hardest part of, it's like dating. It's like, you're kind of like dating the, the table of people and, you know, just keep trying until you find a, a good spot to fit in. Yeah, absolutely. There's a good, a lot to be said for trial and error in D and D, and a lot of people are afraid to even do the trial. Uh, mm-hmm. just, just do it. It's fine. Yeah. I, it's funny that you said that. Basically, the first time I actually played was when you were DMing because I hear that story a lot. Actually, there's a lot of people who have zero experience playing D and D, but they want to, and all their friends have zero experience playing D and D, but they want to as well. And someone has to be the DM. Um, you just 
kind of had to go for it. You know, you don't have to memorize the DM to the, the dungeon master's guide. If you don't want to just jump into it, it especially if you're with people who are all also new. If you ask <laughs> if your player's like, Hey, uh, if I throw a rock at this guy, how much damage does that do? You can just make it up. They're not yeah. going to know. <laughs> yeah. There's so much I, creative Liberty there. I don't want to call myself out, but I've maybe read like three pages of the dungeon master's guide. Like I am, <laughs> I am truly the flying by the seat of my really pants. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It is a fun book to buy once and then never open. Um, oh yeah. For me, for sure. <laughs> I do. Like, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I keep looking over there because my, my stack of D&D stuff is right over there and the DMG is like, the bottom. Yep. The, yes. The pile. Yes. I have. I have some books up here, and none of them are official D and D content. They're oh, all something else. <laughs> um. I do. I do think. Uh. You. You made me realize. I feel like a lot of D and D for new people is there's one person who really wants to fucking play and they want to play so bad that they'll DM. That's me. And then there's <laughs> other friends who haven't played before who like are open to it, but they don't really know what it is. And they have that other friend with the wild look in their eye. That's like, will you fucking play D and D with me? And they say <laughs> yes. And then that's how they get into D and D is they just say yes to being a player. And then like, those are the two camps. You either start with the ferociousness that you're like, I will DM whatever I have to do to play, or you accidentally fall along. in love with the game. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. But everyone, I feel like everyone who tries it ends up loving it. Uh, at least in my experience, of course, there's some probably pretty shitty DMS out there who have made terrible experiences yep. and there's yep. plenty of stories like that on the internet but in general it's it's a lot of fun and it's so easy to to just kind of jump into it and, and like you said just fall in love with it pretty quick yep yeah 100 percent. i straight i tell everybody i'm like you should play like once like you should probably play once because you'll get hooked into it because it's actually very fun to just tell stories with your friends um mm -hmm. i tell everybody in this city full of artists i'm like play D and D it's extremely creative and you'll like it. And they're like, it seems kind of lame. And I'm like, I know I'm lame, but I mean, to, like you do it <laughs> and you'll fall in love with it, especially in this town full of creatives. Um, I, I do think right. it's something that everybody should get into at some point. Oh, for sure. I also, especially if they're already gamers, like I, yeah. and this is just a joke. Every time I, I say this, I, I joke about the fact that the Venn diagram of, you know, gamers and D and D players is just a circle. And that's not true if I any, I just think it's funny. Uh -huh. um, anyone who's, you know, really into basically anything that's not caught is probably going to like D&D &D and yep. they should at least give it a shot. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on our show. We really appreciate it. I'm glad I got to talk with you. Um, yeah. Uh, is there anything that you want to plug or, or shout out on your, on our way out of here for our, for our listeners to check out? Uh, ooh. Uh, yeah. If you know me in real life, Please don't don't show this to my HR department. They already hate me. Uh, outside of that, I have nothing to plug. Everyone who knows me knows me, and we already mentioned my TikTok. That's my main my main account. So go check it out if you haven't. Uh, get to know me. Yes, everybody, go follow Diana. Uh, she is wonderful. We're so happy to have her on. I'm so sorry, HR department. I'm the one who said all the bad words. You can fire me. <laughs> you can call my job and get me fired. They're not going to care, but you can call my job and They'll get do me it. fired. They're vicious. They'll absolutely. Oh, really? <laughs> no, but it was a pleasure being here. I absolutely loved talking to you. This has been so much fun. Um, anytime you need me, you have my my, you know, my number. I guess you're in my DMs. 
yeah that's, that's that makes it sound so that that makes it sound like i'm a real professional <laughs> very you professional the here. wrong account didn't you <laughs> call me out don't call me out i thought i messaged Let you, you know. from our foes and fables account and instead it's me on my fucking personal instagram so i don't know what i'm doing i don't know what i'm doing i sent two totally messages cool. at once um <laughs> thanks so much no. for coming on our show really appreciate it uh thanks so much everybody for tuning in and we'll see you next time on friends and fables. Goodbye. Bye.